And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. In revisiting Nerdcore, Matt pays a personal visit with one of its legends, MC Lars, for this rare face-to-face -face interview held in a tour van following Lars's concert with MC Chris and Spose. Amidst promotions, origins, and talk of an upcoming album, Matt prods into Lars's songwriting process and the work that goes into deciding upon samples. Along with some comments on the YouTube generation and some pointed advice for rising artists, here's presenting Matt Storm and MC Lars. So I'm sitting here with the man, the myth, the legend, MC Lars. Well, we're in the van. We just played a show, and I'm very pleased to hang out with you. Thank you for waiting as we lifted all the gear out. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for putting on an awesome show. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on my show. Um, I've heard a lot about you. I've talked to a lot of other nerdcore rappers, and your name kind of always comes up as like one of the nerdcore rappers. You and Damien kind of come up all the time. Um, were you, I know you said you were, so you started out in punk bands. Were you always into hip hop also, or did you kind of discover that after? You know, I had a very, um, interesting relationship with hip hop because like, I remember when I was 11, my friend let me borrow the Snoop Dogg tape and my mom heard it and she was like, you can't listen to this. So it was like the skit at the beginning, we're in the bathtub and she's like, you don't love me. You just love my doggy style. And I'm like, mom, I love it for the music. She's like, you're 11. So she did something which is known as uh, good parenting and wouldn't let me listen to it. So I kind of got hip hop was this forbidden fruit. Um, and then I went to college and it was like I was doing punk rock stuff, but it just didn't get the same reaction. Like I'd book college shows and I'd play with my punk band and then I'd do my rap stuff and that people liked. And so I was like, oh, there's something to it. And that was like 2003. And then that was like the year like Atmosphere and all those guys, Sage Francis, everything, the emo indie rap became yeah. big. So I was like, there's something to it. So I coined the term, okay, well, if they're doing emo rap, I can do post-punk rap <laughs> with my laptop. And here we are. And then I managed to... <laughs> turn into a career <laughs> a very successful one um so but I, I mean listening to your music especially taking your greatest hits as an album by itself you're definitely influenced by a ton of other music um i remember you saying on stage tonight that you uh were taken on tour with bowling for soup um which would explain how you hooked up with jared reddick to do download the song um w uh did you always want to do a song with an uh, iggy pop kind of background use the passenger as a sample or is it just something that kind of came together for that song dude that's a really good question and it's a good story we were um 2005 i was in australia and i toured with this punk band from epitaph from oakland called the matches and we had our last show in sydney and there was an after party and we were partying and we were drinking and my friend who helped run the label was djing and it was at this club and that song came on i'd never heard it and i was like this these chords are crazy like what is this and that melody hit and i was like i gotta do something with this and i'm like what is this song and i always do it on my phone i'm always writing down songs i want to sample and i think if you're like whenever you're you're drunk in another country and you hear a great song for the first time, there's something magical about that. That also happened when I was, for my song, um, Hey There Ophelia. Oh, sure, yeah. And that song, Screamager by Therapy, I was, it was like at a London club. So, so anyway, so I was there, I was like, what is this? And it, I didn't realize it was an old song. 
But then he's like, Iggy, I heard it, and it sounded like some new indie track, and I was like, I gotta sample this. So I, so I wrote it down, and that was, that was, that would have been June of '05, and then I wrote that song in November of that year. So, but there's a, a different version of it that was more like hip hop, traditional hip hop. Sure. But when we sampled it, Iggy's, Iggy's label didn't want us to use it because he said it was a bad message. They said it was a bad message, and so Iggy heard it though, and he said, "This is cool. This is like this is oh, that progressive awesome. that he can use it." So we gave him a, a, an advance on the publishing and royalties, and then we got to use it. So shout out to Iggy Pop. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool that you get that kind of connection with another artist, and they actually like respect what you do, even though like the management, the suits are like, "No, no, it's bad. It's bad message." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's like artists. They those those people exist so people like Iggy Pop can do what he does, but in his heart, he's like a rebel. Yeah. Hey, do you want water? Um, no, I'm good. Okay, we but, got a bunch. But, but you, uh, <laughs> you feel free if you want. Um, cool. So, um, so you you always have all of these other influences, and you've done a bunch of featured songs. You've also been featured on other albums. I've been listening to Beefy's latest record. You were featured on that. Of course, I found I discovered you through Schaefer's Records and Frontalots Records. Um, when you hook up with another artist to do a featured verse, do they come to you? Do you go to them? Is it kind of collaborative? Does it change based on the track? That's a great question. I mean, I, in the nerdcore scene, we all are like one big weird woots, nerdy Wu Tang. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all work on each other's tracks, and um, yeah, people come to me and ask me for collabs. If it's a friend or if it's someone I've worked with, usually we'll trade collabs. Like we all do stuff on each other's records. But if it's a new artist, I usually just ask that they cover the studio time, and then I let them keep the tracks. But I would never charge like otherwise for it especially with friends sure. so so it's just like if the spirit's right and i'm inspired i'll just do it and that's a lot of the time we do it online i'm sure people like you talk to talk about that like we do like with beefy it's crazy yeah you can do that. yeah it's crazy because like t 10 years ago it would have been hard to do well 20 years ago it would have been kind of impossible yeah to like skype and so yeah man it's really easy and it's the thing is it's so easy to make great sounding records and i think there's no excuse for bad sounding music because we all have access to incredible equipment yeah it's very inexpensive well it's like we were talking about malibu shark tech earlier which you're also featured on and like their record like one guy's in ireland and one guy's in atlanta georgia and the fact that they made that killer record over the internet is kind of mind-blowing and i yeah. think that speaks to what you're talking about like this this new technology allows you to kind of do really crazy stuff it's a really exciting time. I mean, I think if I if I had started any earlier, or any later, I wouldn't have been able to make this into a job because I think any later I would have been inundated with all like the third and second generation indie rapper, nerdy indie rappers. And if I'd been any earlier, no one would have heard me because I wouldn't have had any internet distribution. Right. <laughs> so I'm thankful I hit it just at the right time. And uh, you mentioned on stage that you're putting out a new record next year. Yes, sir. So uh, does the new record have a title? It's called the Zombie Dinosaur LP. And um, it's going to be, I think, 12 or 13 songs. They're all basically demoed. So as soon as I finish this tour, I'm going to finish the record. And um, I've got a song with Watsky. I've got a song with uh, Less Than Jake. Oh, the nice. Guys from Less Than Jake. That's really cool. I Fight Dragons. Oh, nice. So it's just cool because it's all my friends. And it's all—it's more of a funnier, like, my, it's, it's, it's a funny pop culture record. I haven't done one of those for, like, five years. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you're looking to put it out sometime around March is looking? Yeah, spring. 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 Yeah. Let's not hone in a date too, too tightly so you can have that <laughs> leeway just in case. Um, well, that's exciting. It's cool that you've got some new stuff coming out on the horizon. Um, uh, so you, we, we were talking earlier that you, you were into the punk scene and then you kind of went to rap from there. Do you have any desire to go back to the punk scene? I know you've done songs in a punk style or featured artists from punk songs. Do you have any desire to go back to playing in a band? 
and doing punk tracks or any kind of rock tracks? That's a good question. I mean, I've been toying this tour with the idea of doing a rock or a punk or a rock EP or album. I think that would be tight. That would be cool. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that would, be, that would be cool. And I think that it's like... Uh, it's just something where it's like the energy is there. I mean, I think like that's the thing that's kind of helped me is that I'll do a, a straight up ska song with an actual ska band. I'll do a actual thr thrash song where it's like the other rappers don't really when they they don't really delve into rock. They might have a guitar on a song, but they won't do like a full on rock song. Right. And I think the reason I do that is because growing up listening to Weird Al, I love how <laughs> yeah. he would do a million genres and he'd do them all so well. Yeah. And it's like if you're gonna do ska. Well, get the best ska band you can. If you're going to do a hardcore song, you know what I'm saying? So I'd love to do it because I'd love to push myself musically. Sure. And um, it's very inspiring. That's awesome. Um, and I think, like, it's one of those things where when you, when you, uh, when you say on the, the record uh, um, that you feature your childhood hero playing accordion, Weird Al, that must have been something pretty <laughs> awesome to yeah. have him playing on a track. I feel like everyone in the nerdcore scene has had some kind of influence from him because he's just done so much ridiculous stuff over the years. I think, yeah, he made it, like, he's the original nerd who sold millions of <laughs> albums, and he showed us that it's okay. You know what I like about him is his intellect. Like, he's silly and goofy, but he's just smart as hell. And yeah. it's like, he's just, this, he's, he's he said to me that, like, when he was in um, high school and stuff, girls never really looked at him. But then, when as soon as he got on TV and stuff, everyone was like wanting to be, want, wanting to be his best friend, and he was instantly really popular. And he's like, "There's just something about nerdy music that is special." You know yeah. what I mean? And he proved that could be, be done, and I think that we all owe him a debt. I mean, he's like white nerdy is the nerdcore anthem. No one can ever top that for sales and quality. <laughs> we all want to make a song that we never will. So let's just bow down to the great Weird Al. <laughs> uh, sounds, sounds like a plan. So you've been on tour for a while, and this is this New York date was actually the second to last date on the tour, and then you're headed home. Um, when you're on tour, what do you do to keep from going crazy in the long van trips? Do you have uh, books you like to read, certain music you like to listen to, movies you watch? I mean, I'm so happy that this van has an auxiliary in, and we have Spotify Premium. They, oh, nice. they hooked us up yep. with that, so... John and I will just, my drummer John and I will be like, okay, we'll play a country song, then we'll play all of our favorite country songs for like an hour. Nice. And then we'll play a thrash song, and all our thrash songs, or we'll play, last night we were listening to like all of Adam Sandler's skits. <laughs> nice. And like, so music keeps us going. It's hard to read in the van, and there's, we, we all do our, we, as soon as you touch down the venue, there's not really a second of rest, but at night I like to watch The Simpsons when I go to sleep. I download all, every Simpsons in the, on my computer. So. Oh, wow. It's all of the cool. seasons? Yeah. That's it's like crazy. like 50 gigs. Have you seen the Futurama crossover episode yet? Is it out? Yeah, it's out. It's on Hulu. I watched oh it on Hulu+. Plus. Is it good? Um, it wasn't bad, actually. I haven't watched Simpsons in a while. I've kind of been behind, but that crossover episode was good. It's based mostly around Bender and Homer becoming best friends. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the, the plot goes from there, and it was a lot of fun, and it's the whole someone went back to the past to save the future storyline, so that's always fun. That's great. I got to see it. Yeah. Uh, did you see the Family Guy Simpsons one? I did. I didn't love it. What did you think of it? That was pretty funny. I thought it was well drawn, and I thought yeah. the art was great. But um, is the Futurama one better, you would say? I think so, yeah. I think I enjoy the Futurama better. But also that's because I'm a big Futurama fan. 
I have a bender head with all of the seasons before the new seasons inside it. It's just oh, this giant cool. like bender head. Um, so so I'm really into that. But um, and so I'm guessing when you're on tour, you guys touch down at certain places. Do you often stay overnight in the city, or are you driving at night often? Does it depend on where you're where you're headed? Yeah, man. I mean, this tour's been kind of punk rock because <laughs> we've had this, we've done this thing where. We probably wouldn't do it next door where you leave the town, you drive. We had a third guy who went home for, it's, that's a long story, but you drive like four hours, then we'd find a park, Walmart parking lot in the middle of like nowhere and just tilt the seat back. And then Brendan made a bed out of the back with all the hoodies oh, nice. and just sleep in the van. And we did that maybe seven times, but then it got really cold. So usually we stay with friends or we'll get a hotel. It's nice if you get a hotel too. You could go to the hotel before the venue, so you can put all your suitcases there and get ready, then go to the show. So that's yes, we either sleep in the van at Walmart, stay with <laughs> friends, or park, uh, or stay get a hotel. Tonight, John is from Jersey, so we're, his parents are nice enough to let us stay in Short Hills. So oh, very cool. That's the plan. So awesome. It's um, the trick is it's very easy to get sick, and we've learned that if you don't want to get sick what you do is try to sleep try to eat right and don't just you can't really party you can't really drink that much because it, uh, 40 shows you you will kill yourself i learned that earlier that touring is not like in the movies <laughs> where you drink and get wrecked every night you yeah. can't really do that you can't but you know you can still have fun a little bit um so you've been playing a lot of live shows and you've got a lot of songs and a large library of music do you have a selection of a few favorite tracks that are like your favorite to perform live because of the sound or the energy that's a good question i love the literature songs i mean i yeah. think it's cool because kids like it's fun it's so weird to do like a shakespeare rap and just see this like light in kids face you know raven is always my favorite because we always get someone from the audience to do it and the scott song is fun because the skankers yeah it's just cool to see people people don't really see that much these days yeah it's a shame that Scott's kind of not around as much as it was you know there aren't any major i mean there weren't a ton of major pop culture bands to begin with but the fact that like now you don't really hear it that much is a bummer i think you know what I, we were talking about this tonight that um S napster killed ska because after <laughs> labels didn't have any more money you couldn't afford to send 10 people on tour in a yeah, bus that's true so then after that you had to just ska ska existed like real big fish and all of them existed on the major label system because labels could afford to send out these giant horn sections yeah it's funny too because growing up in staten island i remember there were tons of ska bands in staten island growing up and like they played local venues and like i saw them all the time and then like somewhere around the early to mid 90s it just stopped like i stopped seeing them anywhere and then by the 2000s there were like it felt like there were none anymore it was kind of bummer because i i i mean any genre where you can dance and kind of rock out is kind of like i love that you know i do too and i love that it's like the anti-emo genre yeah it's so fun and it's so songs are so silly but you know we do warp tour a lot and that ska is always a very big genre on that tour oh those that's bands cool. play the main stage like less than jake and really fish and sure so it's on the underground i don't i don't know if it'll ever come back because i think that like people want their rock serious their hip-hop stupid and their edm like drug infused yeah so people are kind of drifting towards very specific stereotypes which is kind of a bummer yeah but that's just but thank gosh thank goodness for all the undergrounds thank goodness for genre specific podcasts <laughs> hey thanks for the plug hey um let's see so what else did i want to ask i just had a brain fart that's unfortunate um so 
you guys are wrapping up the tour and then you said you're going back and, and, and going to put together the album to have it out by spring of next year. Do you think you'll have it out on another tour right after the album comes out or you take a break for a while? There's, we might be doing something like we want, I want to do a, a fall headline tour and then we might have something before that we're waiting here about. But every spring I'll, I go to the UK and Europe oh, cool. and do like festivals. So yeah, so it's, it'll be... Next month will probably be on tour like five months of the year. Oh wow! So this last few years, I really haven't been touring so much because I've been working on the album. But I'm glad. I'm so glad Chris brought me out because yeah. he's. I think together we just. It's just nothing like it. It's like the nexus of the genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you guys are a great team. Like when you guys do the song together in your set on stage, it's like it just gets an energy. Thanks. And it's <laughs> and people just go bonkers for that stuff. Um, when you're since you've obviously been doing a lot of writing and working on the record, when you're writing, does the beat come together usually first, or you usually come up with the lyrics and then kind of create a beat behind it, or does it vary from song to song? My process is I always want to have like the concept. Make sure the concept's dope. So it's like being an English major helped me with this because your your chorus, your concept is your thesis, right? Right. And your verses are like your defending paragraph. So it's like you want to say something important. So you come up with the idea. Then I find the music, which, um, which which uh, informs how the vibe of the lyrics are going to be and stuff like that. And then the the beat is what defines the flow because I I learned this a few years ago that you have to like make your flow whether you're doing trochees or iams or whatever spondies or whatever you have to do your poetry based on what the snare and kick are doing right and and i think if you try to write without the beat you end up sounding like every rap is like bum ba ba bum ba ba bum 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 da da dun da dun dun cat like that's a really good way to sound whack so i started so that's my style now i'll just put on a beat my my process is i'll put on a beat for like an hour or two and just write and then I'll come back and I try to, when I'm working on an album, I try to hit the clock and be like actually doing eight to 10 hours a day of focused writing. Oh wow. And then you come back and listen to it. And so this album's kind of, it's been fun cause I've had like, I've like 35 songs I've demoed. So now I pick the best 12. So I think my process is different because I'm always, I'm really involved with the production mm -hmm. element. And of course, I always like to collaborate with people, but I'm always building the beats and knowing how to do that lets you like experiment with um, mood and key changes and samples. And I think that if I didn't know how to do the beat side of things, it it would be a really detriment to my lyrical writing. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So, and it's all very easy now and it's all very like accessible. So all of these songs that you've demoed, since you have a ton of them, do you think they'll see the light of day in future albums, or is it just you'll pick the best twelve or thirteen, and then the rest will go into the vault? I think they'll, yeah, they'll they'll evolve into something else. Yeah, it's exciting that I'm learning as as you get older. Like I think if you're on a major label and you're a major label band, and you have to sing like, let's say you have to sing about girls or cars, <laughs> that gets boring. But if you're niche, there's never, and if you always want to write, there's never a, an absence of ideas. Sure. So there's always a lot to, oh yeah, there's always a lot, there's always more to write about. That's so cool. yes, those songs will come out in some form. If not, as music, as lyrical ideas, musical ideas. Cool. And um, so you said that you usually start with a concept, so whether it's like you're rapping about Game of Thrones or, or rapping about Edgar Allan Poe, you come up with like the, the concept, the hard concept first and then go from there? Yeah. Have you ever found a concept that 
you thought of but have yet to be able to actually write about yet? Is there stuff that you like struggle to come up with a concept, like a flow for after coming up with the concept? I think the thing, the, the main issue that like this genre runs into is if you're too cerebral, you're going to be really hard to listen to after a few minutes. Yeah. And so you can't just be like putting vocabulary words and science words and magic the gathering and all this stuff like in the because it's just you have to relate it like my whole thing has always been like okay you can sprinkle the nerdy stuff but make sure that like if an average teenage girl heard this in the car or saw the youtube video in in 10 seconds they'd get the emotion behind it right so yeah like i did i wanted to do a song about siddhartha and buddhism but it was like too like about his life and it was too it was too hard to like make that interesting like to the average pop culture person so I then did a song about impermanence and like witnessing stuff like earthquakes and stuff as a kid and how that's scary but how that makes you an, like an adult oh wow so cool. that's like I twisted it you know yeah, gave it a spin so it, it's more something you can manage than people could relate to yeah that's awesome and um so it sounds like your writing process is definitely a lengthy one since you put in a lot of hours for it. But it sounds like it, it provides you with a good backbone for future work and kind of lays the groundwork for a tight record. Thank you, man. I mean, I think it's... I'm really grateful for its app called Evernote. Have you heard of that? Yeah, sure. It's yeah. great because I have folders and folders and folders and <laughs> folders. And like, and I'm working on... Also, right now, we're working on a pilot for a kid's hip-hop show. Oh, cool. And so that is a whole another million folders. So if something is like... I'll take the music for something. If it doesn't fit for the album, it's... And I get... Oh, I could make this about dinosaurs. Happy dinosaurs instead of zombie dinosaurs. There you something, go. You know what I mean? And so this kid's show, is this something that you would want to try and market to a network or maybe YouTube? Yeah. I mean, I think the sky's the limit. Like, I think it's cool that there's so many different... Uh, potential outlets but we've been working on it for about five years and we have some interest like Weird Al he's, he's he likes the script and he said he'd be in the pilot which is cool that's awesome that's cool Karis One who's a big influence on me he's he's interested so we that's have awesome. we have some great people who would be down to do it now it's just a matter of getting the funding and we'd love to get it on Nickelodeon or something like that um, but so I, I that's probably that's probably something that will Next year we'll know more what's going on with it. But we built we built a puppet for it. And if you go to mclars.tv, there's a video we did, like a, a uh, proof of concept. Oh, cool! That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, go check that out, guys. That's awesome. Yeah, I fi you got to figure like if the Wiggles can do it and all those other shows, why can't there be a hip hop version of that stuff? You know, right? Thanks, man. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think it's a, it's definitely like Yo Gabba Gabba is great, but yeah. it's not strictly hip hop. No, yeah, it's a little of everything. They yeah. kind of go all over the place. Um. If you had to pick, and this is this is always a tough question to answer, I find when I ask artists, but I always like to try. If you had to pick one record that kind of is like your biggest influence or your favorite record of all time uh, by uh, another musician, do you have any idea what that would be? Could you pick just one record that was your biggest influence coming up? I think Miles Davis' Kind of Blue is um, pro would be my choice. Yeah. Because I, I, I used to play jazz guitar in, in high school before I started doing punk, and learning about modes and chords and like how the one three five the chord structure and polyrhythms and scales like that taught me studying the notes on that album and how you can so easily change the feeling of something by just changing a certain part of the scale mm -hmm. that album taught me about that and taught me how to to manifest emotion through your playing and through your musicality so yeah that's my favorite record of all time and it's not and we ha i did a song on my Christmas EP from a few years ago where we sampled him but um, I, I love jazz and you know hip hop is really just true hip hop is just an offshoot of that tree sure yeah it's just a part of that tree and I think people need to like 
Well, they don't need to. You, I don't think like shoving stuff down people's throats, but I think understanding jazz makes you understand music and makes you realize that it's so easy to create if you get the the theory behind it. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, if there was one MC Lars fact that the audience wouldn't know already from online and from your records, what would that be? What would be something interesting your fans would be surprised to know about you? Oh. I don't think most people know my name, real name is Andrew. <laughs> Wikipedia reveals that quickly. Yeah. But but people are always like, what? So Lars comes, a lot of people don't realize this, Lars comes from a 1996 Ben Stiller movie called Heavyweights. Have you oh, sure, it? I remember Heavyweights, yeah. So there's that counselor Lars. Do it to it, Lars, the German counselor who's yeah. like scary and he DJs the party. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, Lars. And I thought that name was so ridiculous. I was like 12. And so I was like, at school, I asked everyone to start calling me Lars, my <laughs> teachers. And I thought it'd be the biggest hack, the biggest <laughs> prank to, 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 to make that my new name. And so now most people know me as Lars. Lars, call you MC Lars. So, so there you go. Cool. Um, and then finally wrapping up, I just if you could give up-and-coming musicians, artists, performers, any big strong piece of advice that you've learned over the years, what would that be? I think the four things you need to succeed, and I think Watsky's definitely done this, and all the new rappers and all Mac Lethal, the four things you need to succeed are great records. Mm-hmm. A interesting story, like what's this person from? Where? What's what? You know, what, why did they get in the music? Um, an incredible live show. Mm -hmm. Figure out a way to make your presentation great and learn how to be a great performer. And you only learn to do that from doing open mics for years and playing for years and years and years. And dope YouTube videos that you can do for cheap. And sometimes the concept, a better concept is better than a high budget video. Yeah. So if you have those four things and you really work hard and and find a way to do it and start when you're like as young as possible then you'll have a pretty good shot if you're if you have talent you have a pretty good shot of of making a name for yourself and i think it's the internet is so cool because it's democratized everything yeah yeah it's it's interesting how kind of youtube has become this force in gaining people notoriety so many musicians that i've discovered recently have come out of nowhere through youtube it really seems like that's the place to go if you really want to make a name for yourself in any industry you have to, yeah, and YouTube, and it's so easy to make great videos. Yeah. So, just do it. I mean, I think so many rappers are like, oh, well, I'm waiting till the time is right. Well, when will that time be? Like, get something great on for now. So when I Google uh, Nerdy Jeff, I see <laughs> Nerdy Jeff. Oh, he's Nerdy Jeff because he likes Super Mario Brothers and he he has Pokemon shoes. Cool. <laughs> But he also can rap, and he also is sad that his cat died and his mom was, like, controlling of him. Yeah. But he worked hard in college. I like this narrative you've created for Nerdy Jeff. I feel like he should be a character on your children's <laughs> yeah. show. Have Nerdy Jeff come out and just sing, uh, sing a rap song for the kids. Um, I truly appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, Thank you for waiting. Thanks for helping us load this stuff in. My pleasure. Um, it's been a pleasure to meet you in person. I've been a fan of your work for a while. Give me a hug. Uh, we're hugging. You can't see it because it's an audio podcast. You. I have one other request. So we have a saying on the podcast, and I would love if you could do our sign-up for it. It's music is life and life is good. Oh, that's right. What's up? This is MC Lars saying music is life and life is good. You. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, 
Music is life, and life is good.